This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to Enneagram Plus Yoga, a podcast for the body, mind, and heart. And today on Enneagram Plus Yoga, we have Kevin with us, and Kevin is Kat's husband. And if we were to pick some words to describe Kevin, it would be typical of an Enneagram 7. He is extroverted, he is playful, he is spontaneous, he is optimistic, enthusiastic, he's funny, he's adventurous, and you are going to enjoy listening to this podcast with Kevin. So thanks for being here, and let's get started. I'd love to introduce today's guest to you all. Um, Today, Christy and I are interviewing my husband, Kevin. So a little bit about Kevin, which I could go on and on and on, but Kevin is... um, of course, my husband. He's a father of two of our children, but for a J-O-B, he is a chief revenue officer for Simply Bank, and that is local community bank here in Chattanooga. Kevin is an active mountain biker, a yoga practitioner, lover of adventure, community volunteer, and advocate for all things outdoors. And Uh, Christy and I have planned this for um, several months now. Uh, We knew that for our Enneagram 7, Kevin would be um, the one whom we interview. So I'm super excited because I get to hear all the cool things and hopefully so so would you. Um, And the reason we wanted to invite Kevin today, uh, because he is a 7 through and through. Like, I have never met anybody more seven-ish than my husband, so hopefully you guys enjoy, and we'll just go ahead and kick it off. I'll start. All right. So, Kev. Yes. What is your first memory of being really excited, and do you um, try to connect to that feeling? And if yes, how do you connect to it? So, I have two really fond memories of being really, really excited. Uh, first would be birthday, five years of age, got my first dog. They actually mm. wrapped him up in a box. <laughs> and I still vividly remember opening this box and this dog jumping out. Um, fortunately, the dog was hit by an RV, so... Terrible, <laughs> oh, terrible. I'm trying to only remember the, uh, the good part about that. Uh, yeah. The second part was uh, learning to ride a bike. Uh, and I still remember the first bicycle I had. Again, I was probably around five or six. It was a Schwinn Mini Scrambler. Uh, it was the first time not only I felt this disjoint happiness, but it gave me that sense of freedom. That mm. I had transportation, I had movement, and I could roam. You and could be adventurous. That's what I did. I yeah. jumped things, went places, and as Kat shared, I am all things adventure. I still to this day mountain biking very active with doing that with my family and my children as well as personally that's uh 
it's my Prozac. It's uh-huh. keeps me grounded, and uh, I I can vividly connect to both of those. Even when I'm out riding in the woods, can think back of of having that same kind of feeling of, of being a young tot. That's a great story, especially because when I think of an animal who might represent each number, yeah. A, a dog, a puppy dog is such a seven, a right? A just, lab. Yes, a so Labrador. Happy. So excited, so ex- enthusiastic, and it's so hard to get them to sit and to be grounded and to train them to, mm-hmm. you know, sit and be still. But that that is the animal that I would pick for, what yeah. would you pick? Well, okay. we, we actually have it. We have a seven dog. He's a pug. He's a year old. Aww. And he if he, it, he if he was a number, he is a seven through and through. Just super excited. Always wants to be around you. Always wants an adventure. Always wants fun. He's just animated always. Just and a Aww. lover. Mm-hmm. That's great. Our- <laughs> We've nicknamed him FOMO. Oh, he is a FOMO. That's yep. funny. Well, then I have to start with my FOMO question <laughs> just because of that. So... As we know, fear of missing out, FOMO, is a real thing for most sevens. So how does this show up in your life, this fear of missing out? I think I'm getting better as I age and mature in kind of balancing this this fear. Uh, As a young man coming out of school, I spread myself thin in a lot of different areas and just wanted to be the life of the party or at least have an invite to the party. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the older I get, the more I realize that I have everything that I need. I've got a great relationship. I'm healthy, like on wood. Mm-hmm. Uh, got great kids, career stable. Uh, I think FOMO now is less about what I want, but really more than what I want to give up. Mm. So... And that, we can talk later, that's probably one of my struggles is I still overcommit myself. So it's mm-hmm. not necessarily FOMO, but just spreading myself thin. And mm-hmm. uh, it's really what do I want to give up to ensure I'm prioritizing appropriately. So that you can be in the present moment and yes. enjoy your wonderful relationship with your wife and your yes. kids and your hobbies like mountain biking. So that that your fear of missing out or being overcommitted is not keeping you from the present moment and the things that are... A gift in your life. Preach. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you for that, babe. That's awesome. Let me ask you about this. How do you use either Enneagram or yoga? And I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I'd like to take credit for introducing you to both. And you have just shined and flourished in both. So I'm super excited about that. But how do you use either Enneagram or yoga? When you interact with others, either at work, in your personal life, with us at home, what, how do you use it? So, through work, I've gone through tons of personality profiles, either for myself or for associates. So we've done Myers-Briggs and all these other, other different kind of uh, applications out there. I couldn't even spell Enneagram, but when Kat started to talk about this, and she said, I want you to take this test. <laughs> I thought it was another internet game, just something they're going to get my email and I'm going to start getting spammed. But once I got the results and I read through and then she would read more of these things to me, I thought, holy shit, mm-hmm. we have found my diagnosis. <laughs> <laughs> so I would say really how I use it now is I'm a seven and I can now defend why I do the things that I do. And so when I upset Kat because... I'm living in the future and I'm not thinking of the present. I'll just say, I'm seven. It's a seven. Yeah. Sorry, working on it. <laughs> um, so I, it, it's, 
given me that opportunity to kind of be able to accept and really self-identify what my opportunities are. Uh, but ultimately, I'm trying to use this now as I go forward, at least with raising kids, is like, what are my strengths? You know, mm-hmm. in being a seven, and so, yeah. but I do use it as leverage. I also use it as an excuse because I now have a legitimate diagnosis about why I do the things <laughs> or why I don't do the things that I do. Yeah. Uh, I actually had this conversation with an associate earlier today, and so I work in, in finance, and so finance is typically stoic and stuffy, and, and I typically don't try to hire that, but I've learned I can't hire everybody like me because thing, everything that needs to get done won't get done. But he is very similar to me, and he was kind of having a challenging situation. And, you know, I told him, I said, well, look at it from from this angle. And then I actually mentioned, I said, have you ever done this? And he said, no. And I said, well, I'm having a conversation later today. I'm going to forward you the link. But you need to go home and do this and learn about yourself. And that will hopefully help you be able to maybe have a little more tolerance to other folks Mm -hmm. out there. So I dig it. I think it's really cool. Out of all of the stuff I've done, it seems the most applicable because... It's spot on me to a T. I've yet to read anything in all the little interwebs and books that Kat has brought out regarding Enneagram that's uh, like not me. Yeah. And I mean, what you just said is why we're doing this podcast, right? Mm-hmm. It, we're, we're using the Enneagram in our own life to understand ourselves, to celebrate parts of ourselves that we love, but then also to work on parts of ourselves that, you know, are our weaknesses, our growing edges but then also to help us to understand others and to have patience with them and to help them to grow as well if they're interested in the Enneagram. So I think he said that beautifully. That's part of why we're doing this. I know. He's so <laughs> Shameless smart. Plug. I love him. He's so smart. So again, we're with Kat's husband. That's why she's saying she loves him. She doesn't say that to our other guests, right? Keep it on professional. Keep it professional, kid. Keep it professional. Uh, so what are uh, some mindful practices that keep you grounded in the present moment? For me, I hate to use the I hate to use busy as, mm-hmm. as an excuse because I think we're all busy. I think when you say you're busy, you're devaluing other people's time. But I can honestly say that in our current state, like we are really, really busy. And so mm-hmm. now with a child that's moved into high school and you know, my career, I leave the house at 7.30, I'm getting home at 8 o'clock on, on a lot of these evenings. So there's very little me time. And mm. I'm, I'm really trying to find times and embrace times of silence so mm. I can kind of recharge, reprogram, reground. Mm. Um, in doing that, I get up extra early, earlier than I probably should. Mm-hmm. Not to have screen time, but literally to sit in the dark and drink a cup of coffee and just kind of warm up to the day. Uh, another thing I've started to do more so often now is I spend a lot of time you know, behind the windshield. I'm usually listening to death metal or, or 80s, 90s hip hop just to kind of get myself in. I'm now riding with the radio off mm. just so I can kind of be in my own head and kind of work through, you know, reflect on the day, which I should have did more of, less of, better, different. Um, and just to kind of get the head trash kind of out. So when I do return home, the mm-hmm. work isn't spilling in. And mm-hmm. um, usually, and I'm also dreaming about mountain biking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love to. Next so vacation. planning ahead and, and kind the of thinking what's about. what's next part e- of the e- seven. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, but, you know, really early alone times uh, in the morning and, and just 
my car is now kind of like my sanctuary. It's the only one of the only times throughout the day that I can just be by myself. And I know that's kind of alter egoish to a seven, but I gotta have it. Yeah. So. Well, that's that's part of the growth path for yeah. the seven is learning to find those moments to be still, yeah. to slow down, to be grounded, to be in the present moment. So you're finding that through your coffee in the morning and your car time where you're not blasting the radio, but you're just kind of allowing for that silence. There's a Native American proverb that says, listen to the silence, it speaks. And the silence can speak to us and it can teach us. So I I love that. That's a good quote. It is a good quote. All right, here's my next question. How do you deal or embrace uh, emotional pain or negativity? Which we've always, we have a saying at home that your glass is always half empty half full, mine is half empty. So you are our, everything is awesome. You are optimistic, you are upbeat, you are looking at a silver lining always. But we have life and we have heartbreak and pain and negativity. So how does a seven deal with that? So I would say this is an opportunity that I'm constantly having to kind of grow with. I I think I come compartmentalize and I don't I don't deal with it the way I probably should one part being a seven everything's awesome so I'm, I'm always and intentionally going to try to find the, the best of the, even the worst situations and kind of focus on that uh, I think also is being stereotyped as kind of the man of the house the provider of the rock uh, I feel I have to kind of keep these things down just so I can keep the ship afloat and keep everybody going. Uh, I'm sure I'll end up in therapy at some point. Uh, <laughs> maybe the Enneagram will kind of help, uh, you know, with that. But I think I've gotten better over the years as we've kind of evolved, yeah. our relationships evolved, you know, being able to kind of talk about it a little more. Uh, you know, growing up, a great family life, but we love wasn't expressed. I mean, we, we hugged, we loved each other, but we just didn't really say a lot of it. So I think that's kind of morphed into to me as a as a human and as, as an adult. But um, I think it's it's definitely a growth opportunity. But probably trying to work on getting more of it out, mm-hmm. so then you can enjoy that, versus just trying to keep it all kind of built in and um, always seeking for for you know, the the alternative or it could be worse or it could be you know, uh, an alternate outcome. So. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're learning to communicate your feelings, even feelings that are positive ones, like saying, I love you and express it because maybe your family didn't do as much of that. Am I hearing that? I think so. Yeah. You always want to do better than what your parents did. And yeah. there's no doubt they, they loved me. They They're very loving me. family. Um, you know, just they, my mom's side, they were just, it was a large family and they worked in the fields and just really, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of tough love and you just assumed it you didn't have to say it and so it felt I I, as a child it felt kind of taboo to say to my grandparents I love you strange that is and they didn't always say it back to to me but we knew it was there so I'm doing better I hope very much so with our children but I think with some of the things that are like problems it's not a problem. You just need to work harder. Just tough it up, you know. And, yeah. and that's probably some stereotypical crap that mm-hmm. you guys may deal with. But uh, mm-hmm. 
And one of the things about the Enneagram 7 is they do tend to push down feelings, like Kat was just talking about. And one of the things that happens when the Enneagram 7 pushes down feelings and kind of numbs their feelings through adventure and other things is that sometimes that can turn into a lot of gluttony, and that's the deadly passion Mm -hmm. for the number 7 is gluttony. Um, And so I'm just wondering, how has gluttony shown up in your life? Are there ways that you've overindulged in the past or maybe even in the present? And how are you working on that part of of the seven? So my recommendation, if you're a seven and you suffer from gluttony, uh-huh. find and marry a one. <laughs> Check done. Check done. <laughs> we are saying Jesus saves, but the devil spins. Uh-huh. So... Uh, you know, I would say from, from a gluttonous standpoint, I don't, kind of the earlier comment, I feel like I have everything that I need. I'm always constantly, I guess, wanting more, but it's it's kind of more in my head. I, I'm not having mm-hmm. to go, I'm not going out and acting on it, so I am more responsible, but it's because I have this counterbalance with a one mm-hmm. in the household. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Being overserved. You know, at an early age, as you know, as a young twenty-one year old, I mean, I, I assume everybody kind of went through that. Yeah. You know, uh, I had no addiction issues or anything like no, that. But, yeah. but that wanting to have a good time yeah. and constantly being there led to a lot of really fuzzy and headaches. Mm-hmm. You know, on the Sunday mm-hmm. mornings, um, you know, overindulging in food. I would say probably overspending. Mm. Again, there's a, there's a funny saying in the mountain bike community. I mean, how many bikes does one person need? And it's N plus one. It's yeah. infinite amount. And so things of that sort, do I need another bike? No. Do I want another bike? Absolutely. Uh, but I think through maturity, raising a family, trying to, again, acknowledge, okay, what, um, what our strengths and opportunities are and, and ensure that my kids get the good stuff out of both of us, uh, being a little more you know, fiscally mm-hmm. responsible, but... Uh, if I had married a seven, I mean, we'd be... Good God. <laughs> oh, I mean, we'd be in trouble. To, to pass. I mean, we'd either be living in a hut, you know, in, you know, on some surf town, or we'd be bankrupt and, you know, standing on the street corner flipping signs or something. I don't know. I mean, two healthy sevens can be great together. Yeah. But you, it sounds like you really needed a one mm-hmm. and that you have balanced one another out and... And actually, um, the the arrow of stress for a seven is the one. But I always think that that if you're looking at the high side of the one, this, the the seven has a lot to learn from the the high side of the one. And then of course for the one, you really needed mm-hmm. the seven, right? Yeah. You needed the fun and mm-hmm. the positivity and the playfulness and the adventure. Yeah. So he's my got, happy place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Y'all are blessing one another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good yeah. stuff. I know. And you know, one of the parts that I love about our relationship and we've been together for 20 years and I can't even believe I'm so 20 years, babe, people don't live that long, but <laughs> here we are. But one of the parts that I love about us is that when we're apart, we still talk about each other in like very nice way. Um, so thank you for everything nice that you've said about being with me as a one. What is the toughest part of living with a one or being married to a one? Let it all go, babe. Let it go. Is this on the record or off the record? <laughs> Can this, can this be admissible in a courtroom setting? <laughs> well, Let's hope 
there's no courtroom. Right. <laughs> well, we, we joked, I think, for, for one is a reformer, and I feel like my goal in life is to reform the reformer, right? Right. So I would say the toughest part is I, we both are very headstrong and we both feel very passionate about it. And so where I'm thinking uh, a solution or something we want to buy or invest or, or to go, I'm thinking 30,000 foot view a year down the road. She's thinking in the present. Yeah. Like, okay, how do we pay for it? How are we going to get there? What's it going to look like? And trying to get her to pull her along, to get to my way of thinking, to get her to kind of pull back. So there, and it's with every relationship, there's power struggles, but yeah, I think uh, bringing people, bringing a one around to my way of thinking, mm-hmm. uh, not that I'm always right, but 80% of the time, all the time. I would say that part would be mm-hmm. tough. Yeah, I, w- I would say so, too. I-, I think the toughest part, and you've had a lot of grace with that. You know, I always say Kevin is a dreamer and I'm a dream crusher. Like, give me a dream <laughs> and within 1.2 seconds I can crush that puppy down. <laughs> so um, just to kind of keep it always grounded, always to the point I always have a scene, unless it is practical. Like, if it's hypothetical... I don't even want to talk about it, which Kevin loves these conversations. What if, and we get, you know, he can spend two hours talking about what if. And for me, unless it is real, it's it's a waste of my time. So we always kind of have a little bit of friction on that. But um, at the same time, it's really nice to dream every once in a while. So yeah. I like I that part. A, I have a saying, never quit your daydream. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, never quit your daydream. Yeah. I say, never quit your daydream. Yeah, I love so. that. Never mm-hmm. quit your daydream. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the mm-hmm. sevens love to think about the future. They love mm-hmm. to dream. And the ones are more pragmatic, thinking mm-hmm. about what the present moment tells them. And mm-hmm. and so you guys need each other. Yeah. Yeah, you're learning from one another. Yep. Yeah. I agree. Good stuff. All right. Well, um, this is a little bit like a question Kat asks, but I'm thinking about the sevens who are great at the power of positive thinking, right? They know how to be positive. They are kind of Pollyanna-like types, if you ever watched that when you were a kid. And what helps you to embrace not just the joy of life, but also the pain of life or even negative feelings? So I put some thought to this. Uh, Kind of the earlier comment, I think seeing and really believing the good in, in every situation, even if it's just now, like we are sitting here today, I'm not in the office. Yeah. That's a good thing. Yeah. Right? Um, And there may be a thousand things going wrong right now that I need to address, but it's okay. We're here. We're talking. Mm -hmm. We're amongst family and friends, and and that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Something, uh, I guess, as far as the painful and negative feelings, you know, giving back. Mm -hmm. uh, I kind of was sitting there thinking through this question. You're doing something bigger than myself. And for years growing up, I look back at some of the decisions I made, people I maybe harmed or impacted just through mm-hmm. poor choices or really being a shithead. Mm-hmm. Um, as I got older, I felt this need to, to as kind of a form of personal penance, to like, I need to go do these things to kind of right the wrongs of the past, right the sins. And so by volunteering yeah. and, and just doing more things out there, um, 
I think as I've matured, now doing these acts of kindness and getting involved and kind of pulling up the underdog, it it makes me feel good, but it also really kind of puts in perspective like what is really important. So I'm not having to do this for myself as this karma boomerang that came back and hit me in the head and I need to make sure it doesn't happen again, but mm-hmm. that I'm, I'm making the world a better place. And mm-hmm. it helps me kind of go back and look and say that there is good in these acts and mm-hmm. I'm not a bad person and kind of doing something bigger than, than for myself. And I think too, we have a young child and, and he was born with some developmental delays and he has some special needs. And so even that in of itself, you carry some guilt and mm-hmm. some burden kind of like mm-hmm. you, could, you caused this. And so I felt this need to go out and, and do these things. But you know, as I've kind of matured, and, and I would say some of this and again, being able to read what a seven is, um, it's okay. He's a mm-hmm. killer kid. He's going to write mm-hmm. his own book. I'm still going to go give back because I want to do it because I want to see, you know, Reed has a good life. Yeah. Other kids don't. Mm-hmm. So let me go help do that. Let me go volunteer. So um, a lot of what I do now, I guess, outside is to help those underdog kind mm-hmm. of scenarios, uh, underserved or people that just haven't had maybe the same experiences to hopefully kind of do those. So in a long kind of answer to a short question in, in kind of being doing things better and bigger than, than myself, it allows me to kind of feel better about what's going on in kind of the world today or what's going on in myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And I've got to tell you, you give more time out and I know a lot of time it's a you know a, a moment of friction because I'm like god stop doing all these things for everybody else but you are the most giving person that i know with your time and the effort so kudos to you mm. kudos to you let me ask you about fomo so i know we kind of you know i'd love to beat that dead horse to the deadliest of dead um FOMO is real, and for those of you who've never heard it before, it's fear of missing out. You know, we're in very cutting edge of, you know, what's really hot now in abbreviation. So Christy and I just recently <laughs> learned that FOMO stands for fear of missing out. What um, helps you? What kind of mindful practices or things that you do in your everyday that helps you sort of tame that fear of missing out and stay in the present moment? I just ask the one, the one says no, and then I just can't do it. So then I'm good. I, I miss out and it's okay because I fear the one more than I fear of missing out. Solid. I like it. I like it. Very, very good. He's afraid of you. <laughs> I, in my house, we say a healthy dose of fear is not a bad thing. I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, sevens are in the fear triad, right? So he just, he just fears his wife from time to time. Happy wife, happy life. Happy life. No yeah. knife. No knife. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I'm thinking about the, the Energizer Bunny is a great way to kind of uh, sum up. We talked about the puppy dog, but the Energizer Bunny is also something we think of when we think of the seven. They just keep going and going. And you've talked about this a little bit, but I want you to talk about it some more. How do you slow down? Um, we talked about being still, 
um, in the mornings, but just um, how do you give yourself permission to slow down in other ways? So I think to, for me to effectively do that, and Kat has done a really good job of racing because I think she sees the need in, mm-hmm. in, in for me slowing down. It's, it has to be very scripted. And, and so for me, it, it feels weird to say you got to slow down to speed up, but my slowing down is if I can get out and be on my bike in the woods mm. because it's such an alternative to what I do on the daily basis. Uh, you know, when I first read this question or hear this question, I think, well, I just need to chuck my phone in the Tennessee River. Mm. And then everything would kind of stop. stop. Yeah. yeah. Um, so trying to, to be able to put ceilings and floors on my work responsibilities, ensure they don't bleed in. Um, mm-hmm. Being in the moment to where I'm not you know, having to juggle work while I'm coaching kids or at the dinner table and thinking about something else, trying to really kind of kind of compartmentalize. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, for my overall health, it's I need a couple of days, a couple hours a week of just detaching and. The slowing down could be going 24 miles per hour down Raccoon Mountain on a mountain bike. Mm-hmm. But that act in of itself is like hitting that purge valve. Mm-hmm. And it can literally be enough to get me recharged and, and wash away any of the burdens that, that are plaguing me to where I'm ready to, to take them on tenfold. You need your wilderness time. And for Kat, a lot of times yoga is mm-hmm. your wilderness time. Yeah. But yours is mm-hmm. on the mountain bike. And part of being a seven, trying to, to bring her under my wing or whatever the yeah. the is, uh, I think she's starting, she sees my need, and I think she's starting to see in herself, like, hey, being outside's not that bad. Yep. Yeah. So it's it wasn't just a sales or a gimmick to, to convince her to let me go be with the guys around the mics. It just, and lately, a lot of the times, they're, it's by myself. It's mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. no music, just hearing what the woods has to say but um, because it's such a it's it's counterintuitive to what I do mm-hmm. um, or how I occupy a lot of my a lot of my time that that's that slowing down allows me to really speed back up yeah I mean I'm sure working in finance you're connected to the computer connected to the uh, phone and this is your time to disconnect you don't have to throw your phone <laughs> into the lake but you you definitely, <laughs> you might think about it and you, you, yeah, you take some time away from the phone and from all of the connection yeah. and being over, overly plugged in yeah. to just disconnect and unplug. Well said. Yeah. I like and that. Say no more. Mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, that's just, you know, I, I, I still overcommit and I don't know, maybe that's, that ties to being a FOMO. I fear of me missing out or fear of them missing mm-hmm. out or fear of the bank missing out. Mm-hmm. But, um, I need to be a good steward or a better steward of my time. And when I do that, well, everything works out and I can breathe a little easier or find that time to go mm-hmm. you know, decompress, recharge in the woods. Yeah, love it. All right, here's my last question to you. Finish the sentence. Best part of waking up is? Folgers in your cup. <laughs> you passed. Isn't that the commercial? Isn't that how it? <laughs> it is a commercial. Okay. But what is it to you? The best part of waking up. I mean, joke's like, it is coffee. I mean, mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I do enjoy that. I, 
honestly, going back to kind of the earlier conversation, I, I do enjoy that little minute or minutes of solitude in the morning. Um, it lets me get ready and, and be charged and our current routine, I'm actually kind of providing for the family because I do mm-hmm. kind of make some of the breakfasts and do mm-hmm. some of the things and and by doing that and at that point I'm I'm well awake I'm ready to roll and I'm excited to see the rest of my family who are sloths and can't get out of the bed and so <laughs> uh, by that point I'm pretty well energized and engaged so you know one part coffee but that really is to prep to land uh, to be with my family mm-hmm. that's beautiful what, what about um, this tendency of the seven to think about the future, like to fantasize about the future? <laughs> How are you working on that in, instead of always fantasizing about the future? First, tell me what you fantasize about when you fantasize about the future. And then how are you working on being more here in the present moment? So we talk about opportunity. I think fantasizing on the future is actually my strength. That's true. I really do. And I wish I remembered the quote, but we joke about it in the latest rendition of Alice in Wonderland. Mm-hmm. They said Alice has a million, million dreams before she has breakfast. Oh, I love mm-hmm. it. That's Kevin. I love it. a million dreams before mm-hmm. she has breakfast. And it's, oh. we probably butchered it, but it's something mm-hmm. along those lines. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's, that's me. And so for me, I said the gift of that is, there's always a better tomorrow. So if, mm-hmm. if you're in a sucky situation, well, I'm thinking about when we moved to Colorado and we're skiing every day. And, you know, I guess the curse of that is we only have one life to live. And if I'm constantly kicking the can, I may miss a lot of really good opportunities in the interim. So I have to kind of, kind of re bounce back and forth. But uh, I think for our situation in, in being married to a one, I think that, kind of foresight keeps this trainer rolling. And so yeah. future thinking or I'm better at it because we're now, you know, as we get older, we're thinking, okay, let's be a little more goal oriented and kind of maybe narrow this down. So instead of having a thousand ideas, it's probably more like 300. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I enjoy it. I mean, I, I literally do. And I, you know, it's probably I had suffer from one part Peter Pan syndrome because, mm-hmm. you know, I, I still feel young at the age of, you know, soon to be 46. I can wrestle with my kids. I can do 20 chin-ups. I can do whatever I want to do. And so I kind of have this feeling like I may live forever. So some of these things I feel like I may need to act on them sooner so we can actually <laughs> use them instead of, when we got to Colorado, we're 85. We can't do anything. <laughs> um, but... I like daydreaming. I like thinking about, you know, bettering our position. And, and I think what she was referring to earlier, just it, it can be very taxing because, like, hey, what, what if we did this? Mm-hmm. Well, there's no way in hell it'll ever happen. But it could. But yeah. It could. It could. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, that little bit of hope kind of gives me an extra pep in the step. I love that. And I love how you said that it's your strength and you own that. And I would say that whatever our strength is, there's also a weakness or a growing edge attached to that. And I think you said that already. And you were basically saying that, you know, you have to have that goal of going to Colorado and maybe living there one day, 
but also that this present moment and this beautiful life that you have in Chattanooga is enough and is a gift. So I'll give an example. Earlier podcast, I know Kat shared how she came to learning the art of yoga. Mm-hmm. It was through skiing yep. that she had a clear aversion to, and I had a goal. Yep. You will ski. We. I'm not yeah. going to stop skiing, but I knew very. I'm not going to be able to ski without her or the kids forever. So, that long-term goal, we never took that off the prize. And I wish, probably somewhere, I've got a video of her on tape, admitting, "I love this." Mm. <laughs> yep. And through that, she found the love for yep. yoga. So, and, yep. and our kids have too. So, yep. so there is some, yeah, some, some good things about. Uh, kind of forever daydreaming and kind of long, 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 long-term goal setting. Yeah. I love, I love the dreamer in you. Yeah. yeah. I feel the dreamer in you as we interview you today. Well, Kevin, thank you for your time, for being this here great. with us. Yeah. yeah. We've I really enjoyed, enjoyed it. it. Um, thank you so much. We've learned a lot about our sevens and it's been a fun interview, which is not surprising because it's a yeah. seven. So thank you for the fun, the positivity Absolutely. and uh, the adventure that's in you. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you. Welcome to this meditation for Kevin, all Enneagram 7s, and anyone trying to work on being more grounded, present, still, and connected to the pain of life. So for this meditation, you might want to find Sukhasana, or sometimes we call it easy seat, just a simple cross-legged position. Or if you'd like, you can be in a chair with your feet grounded to the earth. If you're driving, just breathe with us through this meditation. But wherever you are, palms down. So palms down facing your thighs if you're in an easy seat or if, in your, if you're in a chair. And it's important to have your feet really grounded to the earth if you're in a chair because that's a grounding way of being in a seat and that will help any sevens to move from scattered energy to being right here in this moment. So start to breathe in through your nose. Deep exhale out through the mouth. And just staying with that breath. Find a rhythm to your breath. Continue with the breath throughout this meditation. Amit Ray said, if you want to escape the anxiety of life, live in the present moment live in the breath. So we come celebrating the adventurous, playful, fun spirit of all of our Enneagram sevens, but also to acknowledge the need of sevens and all of us to live more in the present moment and in our feelings. We come releasing our need to constantly think about what is next and to embrace the need to be right here, right now, in this moment. 
We let go of the belief that there is a better option somewhere else and choose to live in the stillness of this moment, even though it may scare us. Instead of planning the next big trip, going on the next big shopping excursion, or entertaining our friends, we choose to embrace the here and now and tune into feelings of not just joy, but also sadness, fear, anger, or disappointment that might come up in this time of solitude. As we breathe, we set a, an intention to commit to grounding practices like yoga, silence, or prayer. We bathe in the awareness that all of our feelings matter. Our feelings matter. We are so thankful for the wisdom, energy, joy, and wit of our sevens. Thank you for sharing in this meditation with me. Namaste, friends.